You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is To Stir With Love, Tales from Prison, with Rabbi Yitzchok Kolokowski. Rabbi Yitzchok, I know that uh, last week uh, we talked about um, people who were uh, commuted, whose sentences were commuted, people who were pardoned. Um, tonight, let's talk about people who pay the ultimate price. I know that in Waymart, I don't know if you have, I know you don't deal with so many death row uh, persons, but we do know that there are, no, not um, we know that there are, um, I don't know the number, but a decent amount of people are sitting on or waiting in death row. And um, uh, we know that capital punishment is uh, illegal in, in quite a, f- a few states. And there still, of course, is an incredible debate over whether capital punishment uh, should be enforced or not. Does it really do society any good as a deterrent? You know, one great um, of Mayor Shapiro, who was uh, a member of the uh, Polish Diet, uh, and of course, the founder of the Yeshiva Chachmei Lublin and the Dafyomi uh, originator uh, was once asked by, I guess, a priest or someone from the, the Polish uh, government. You know, I, I've heard that it says in your Talmud, Tov Shabagoyim Harog, the best guy you should kill. That's the type of religion you represent. So he said, you don't know where to put the comma. You have the statement correct, Rav Meir Simcha answered. You have to read it this way. Tov, you know what's good? Shabagoyim harog. That among the non-Jewish world, the death sentence is meted out. Because in the Jewish world, as we know from the Mishnayas in Masech Tarkakos, from the Gemaras in Sanhedrin, the bar of evidence to be reached in order to put someone to death was extremely high. And we know, of course, Chazal tell us that the Bezdin that killed once every seven or 70 years was called a Bezdin that was Malay Dam, a Shov Chaydamim. It didn't happen often that the Jews were put to death in our system. But Rav Meir Simcha said the fact is that people are put to death and capital punishment is extant and, 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 and used is a very good thing for society. It's tov. It makes society work better. That's what now. Obviously, it was apologia that Rav Meir Simcha was using. But the idea behind it shows that there was, has been an attitude, that capital punishment is something, as even though it's not necessarily mekuyim that much by us, but the idea of the deterrent of capital punishment is a very important one. And we know that there's well, so, still... So, of course, sometimes the, the Mishnah says, the, the same Mishnah that says the Bezdin and the Chavlonis, if, if they give Misa in seven years or 70 years, but then when, they, when Rabbi Akiva says that he would g- get rid of the death penalty altogether, they said, no, then you're, you're Marvin Sheikh Chidam and Yisro. You're right, you see a certain uh, yin and yang. There's a certain uh, debate over obviously the, the 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 great value of human life, and the question is, will it change anything? 
But once again, yada edim tiyabavarishona. From our perspective, uh, it sounds like from these, from this vart from Rameyer Simcha, from uh, and uh, and from from Mayor Shapiro, that um, there is a positive. Now I know that uh, you are aware, of course, of a Jew, the last Jew who was put to death, not the Rosenbergs, but uh, Jews, a Jew who was put to death um, not that long ago um, in Florida. And you, and it's interesting, I think you've told me that his resting place, if you want to call it that, is because Kever is not that far. And I think you've said that you've even davened there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, it wasn't someone that you ministered to, but about the uh, Jew who was actually uh, put to death. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't recall if I davened there, but I definitely visited the the kever there. I I done levias in that in that Beisachayim and unveilings and other things. And uh, so it's it's in Liberty, New York. There's a, a one Beisachayim that it's shared. There's two shuls that share it: the Liberty Shul and the Swan Lake Shul. And then also the organization Chesed Shalemis that uh, provides free burials. They had a section there that they filled up, and now they have another section out uh, in Woodridge. Um, so anyway, when that when they were still using that section, that, I think that was one of the last burials in the Chesed Shalemis was this Martin Grossman who was executed uh, in 2010. So it's about 11 years ago. And I remember following the story because at the time I was already a prison chaplain serving in uh, in Petersburg. But also, in addition to that, I had a neighbor of mine who is a YouTube um, figure, uh, has a lot of videos on YouTube for a long time. I think already by then he had been making videos for a number of years and he still continues to this day. And he was, Yoytsim in a Klau, as he is on a lot of things, that most of the Klal Yisrael was arguing that we should try to seek out some kind of a clemency, uh, not not that he should be uh, pardoned, this Grossman. But he should but get life he, in prison. They should, the state of Florida should allow him to uh, to stay in prison alive rather than to take his life. Was it by lethal injection there? How was he killed? Yes, he was, yes lethal injection was the... And what did Mark Grossman do? That was uh, that that earned him um, the 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 seat in the lethal injection chair. Well, he he was on death row for about 24, 26 years, I believe, uh, something around that 25, 26 years. He had uh, he was uh, intoxicated at the time, and he uh, beat a young woman who was a she was a park ranger. She was a young woman, nineteen years old. And he beat her to death quite cruelly. Was that um, where was that in the Everglades? I believe so. It was somewhere in Florida. I believe it was in the Everglades. Yeah, it, it probably wasn't. I think the Everglades is a federal uh, land. It must have been a state yeah. park. Could Otherwise, been, right? You're right. That could be. Yeah, because if it would have been if it would have been on federal land, it would have been a federal case. And so since it was a you know, no matter what, if anything that takes place on federal land is is a federal case, even a speeding ticket through the through a national yes. park is, is federal. 
So uh, yeah, you're you're most likely. I I don't I don't know exactly. If you go to the are. Everglades now, you better wear a mask, according to Biden's mask mandate. So we got to be, yeah. Except except he didn't have to at, at the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the alligators are going to care that much if you're wearing a mask or not, but. <laughs> uh, they, they said it spreads in dogs and cats and gorillas, so maybe alligators can get coronavirus too. I don't know if, it, yeah. if it's only a mammalian virus. My my daughter's a herpetologist here. She says that that it doesn't spread in reptiles; only it only spreads in mammals. So. Right. I'll call upon him. It wasn't in the Everglades, but at some state park in the beautiful uh, state of Florida, Martin Grossman beat a young 19-year-old park ranger to death. Yes. And um, even though he was drunk, it was considered, uh, 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 again, I don't know the statistics of, of, of how Florida meets out the death penalty, but I assume that they considered it, he must have, uh, a heinous enough crime that he had to pay the ultimate price. I, I think in general, when, when a law enforcement officer is the victim of 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 murder the uh, generally in the united states any place where the where the death penalty is legal that tends to be uh, considered a major thing if if that tends to be you know if if if, if we're talking about a cop killer and and wow. even a park ranger would be in that in that range uh-huh. yeah no pun intended so the so it sounds like it was pretty, you know, again, I, I must have had lawyers, but clearly uh, being under the influence is not an excuse because as tr- even if it's Shikruso Shalit, I guess he must have had a rap sheet, as we say in, in our old lingo. There must have been a rap sheet on him in some way. And um, it was clear it wasn't a Yitzim and a Klau. And yet there was uh, over the 24 years you say that there was a, uh, a surge of, of positive uh, people who wanted to save his life. And many of them, as you said, were from the Frum world. Now, that's because he, they sought him out. Is that because the Lubavitchers sought him out in prison? Um, I, I think that's pretty typical. The, the Olive Institute is very active in Florida. That's their, their headquarters is in, is in Florida. Yes, that's um, where uh, that's where Reb Sholem Lisker. That's where he started. He's the person I think who started the Aleph Institute, right? Yeah, and he and he's there at the the shul in the, in Bell Harbor, where that's the headquarters of the Aleph Institute nationwide. Even though there are other branches around, I in Waymart we tend to deal more with the uh, or in the Pennsylvania DOC in general. We they, there's a branch in Pittsburgh that we tend to deal with. Uh-huh. More so, so it's 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 spearheaded by Chabad, and they yeah. got a hold of this Grossman, and they felt that um, just because he was a nefesh achas Yisrael, or he showed some sort of tshuva harata, was there anything that that they felt was well, how to keep him alive? He definitely showed harata, and I, I guess you know they put tefillin on him, and you know, like they do kamin hagam, you know. So that's the, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, alpi halacha. There's a whole question, you know, in in the greater scheme of things. When when Yad Yisrael Bel Yoyna, I remember talking to this actually to one of our inmates at Petersburg at the time, who was a Talmud Chacham, and he said, you know, 
he, he was a Rosh Hashiva at one point, and he said, you know, the halacha is, you know, a, a goy doesn't have the right to give uh, Misa to, to a Yid, which really, it, it seems to be, uh, to, to contradict things that we find in Chazal, where uh, I think it was Reb Meir who was Malamed uh, Schus on, on uh, which, which was it? Uh, it was a certain king who was executing Jews, and he said, "That's the, uh, you know, Dina Malchus Adina, <coughs> and, that, and that's uh, what we find in Chazal that Dina Malchus Adina applies even to to Misa." He's talking about the Gemara in Bava Metzia about Rabbi Lozaber Shimon, that Lozaber Shimon was uh, was involved in getting, <laughs> he was the marshal, and he was yeah. uh, getting the Jew the Jewish thieves themselves, and he was. Uh, uh, um, Bringing them to court and having them executed. Yeah. Um, right, right. So, um, yeah, there's still, I guess, this idea that uh, that if we could try to save his life, why not? And as I think right. you mentioned before we started recording, and you told me you were going to talk about this, that. Um, it isn't so simple for the governor of Florida to just pick up the phone. There's got to be a little bit more than just saying I I commute his sentence. Right. Most most states, the governor has the koyach, similar to how a president does in a in a federal um, jurisdiction. Most states, the governor, you know, in all the movies, you always see, you know, before someone's executed, oh, there's a call from the governor, you know, and. And that's that's the way out. But in Florida, it's a little bit different. So even it should be noted, even even the Pope spoke up uh, about this case. Although I think in general, I, I think the Pope was against the uh, capital punishment. I guess that would have been Ratzinger at the time in, in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Right, the, 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 the former Nazi youth Pope. <laughs> um, but I think it's a shtickle. I think he made a lot of positive statements for... Uh, about the Jews. Uh, oh, absolutely, and, and I, in general about. Uh, but in any in any event, you. I'll point him. The Pope couldn't help, and the Chabadskers couldn't help. Yeah, and the, and the, was governor, there... the governor was Charlie Crist, so so there was no salvation from Crist. He wasn't. It really wasn't his koyach to do that. He he could have handed it over though to some kind of a tribunal that would have been able to decide something, but he didn't do that either. Even though that was a koyach, I mean, he couldn't. He couldn't absolutely say that we're we're changing this from a death sentence to to a life sentence, but he could have, I believe, he could have handed it over to the powers that be in Florida that could have decided, but he didn't. He didn't do that. And you said that before you in, in, implied before I sort of got you to tell the story that it, there was as much as there was this politicking for it. Many people thought that this was not a case that we want to be shown that we are trying to save the life of a murderer um, and that the the negative uh, impact would rebound against us uh, if people saw us, the Jews really trying to save the life of someone who, you know, the, that the crime was despicable and not necessarily it's not worth our while. And I've mentioned this to you on our program. When should we use our political clout and when we shouldn't? And yeah. as, as significant as every life is, we have to do, we do have to look at the big picture here. 
And obviously, as the Shulchan Aruch says, sometimes when you have these people who are who have violated the law, you know, there's even based on the Gemara about Rabbi Tarfon, the Gemara says that Rabbi Tarfon was besuffic whether they had killed or not. So the Gemara says that he let them hide, but he didn't want to be moister them. But had he known for sure, the Gemara says you see a raya that even not just Rabbi Lazar Shimon, that it might even be the patriotic duty. Yep. To to especially if what the person has done is so egregious. Um, yeah. So I, I I remember at the time it was it was quite. I remember talking to one Hasidic Shereva. He was asking what can I, if I could influence this friend of mine who made this video at the time, saying we shouldn't be uh, fighting for him. It's the Chilul Hashem. He deserves to die. And this Rebbe was saying, why why is he saying that? He said that why is he going against the whole Kali Yisrael? But after the fellow was executed, I remember a lot of people, you know, agreed that, you know, maybe they, they took it a little bit too far. It was, uh, you know, the one thing that kind of, you know, made me think twice about this case was at the time in Florida, they did not have kosher diets in prison, which I can understand, you know, every day he, he's, he's oinous. What is he supposed to do? He's going to eat what's not kosher, but that you know, you usually you get a a, a last meal uh, before someone is executed. Why he didn't ask for a kosher meal? He just said, you know, whatever they're serving that day happened to be a, a chicken cutlet, but it wasn't kosher. And he could have asked for a kosher meal. I don't know why the the Lubavitcher so, chaplain there didn't, you know, kind of nudge him to ask for a kosher. Uh, last meal. So you're you're claiming that that showed what was really going on. Had he asked for a kosher meal? You would talk a Davin at his caver. You would consider him a person that was killed, and it's a Rachmanis, and we should have tried to save him. But, I, I don't know. I don't know. Even with that, you know, self called self, he murdered somebody, and he, you know, but uh, but it, it, if anything, maybe it shows there's a little bit of a, a lack of proper chinuch with the on on the chaplain's side. You know, we were we were talking. In the in the prison about uh, in in the statewide about what kind of moral should we have because some of the some of the uh, the guards are afraid that crane uh, could be used as a weapon they could be you could you could blind somebody with it they they want to keep it away from the guy so I said well al pi the uh, you know crane is not even a moral and it's uh, it's uh, they should use lechatchila uh, they should use um, they should use um, romaine like, lettuce. Romaine lettuce. So, what is the Chavas Yoyer? What does your Zayda say about that? Does he does he agree that that, or is he one of the? The Chavas Yoyer mentions in Makar Chaim the leaves from the horseradish uh, would be. I think uh, he mentions the Chazeras. I think he does mention the uh, the Tamcha. I think he does mention the. Um, so I think in, in in that section that the Chavaz and all these Chassam Seifer and others, Chrein was actually the the number one choice. So no, no, the, he the in the Makar Chaim, the Chavaz says that that Chasa is the number one choice, like the like the Mishnah says. But when he said Chrein, he specifically said the leaves of the horseradish, not the roots, which is what Right, but the problem use. with the chasas, like some cipher points out, is the, is the bugs and the yeah. impossibility to eat that. Well, it wasn't being, available. Without also. being over the isurim. So maybe you'll get, yeah. So in other words, uh, in your prison, you might, 
the food fight that breaks out, uh, uh, some some uh, some the, fresh the reason, lettuce thrown in the guard's face isn't going to do much. But yeah, but the the reason I'm bringing that up is because everybody else said no, we have to keep horseradish. So the Lubavitcher rabbi said, you know, they had a good argument that it was you know it's hard to have fresh lettuce to know if it's really kashla pesach and who knows if it touched chametz or tarfus or what. And whereas the crane, they were able to s- deliver it sealed and, and kosher. And then the uh, there were we have quite a few reconstructionist uh, clergymen who who serve in the Pennsylvania DOC, and they all said this is our tradition. You know, they the the inmates wouldn't know. You know, they wouldn't have any idea what to do with lettuce. You know, it's uh, some people say it doesn't have to be romaine lettuce, which is tends to be infested. There are other types of lettuce that are not infested. But uh, self called self, they said, you know, it's not. Uh, right, so tell me said, again, I, I sort of lost track here. What's what's the they, connection they, here they, to what we're talking okay, about? The connection, the connection to what we're talking about, and it's good, thank you for bringing me back, um, is that, you know, it's it's the I, my answer to those rabbis was, you know, it's your job to educate the, <laughs> you know, that's what you're there for is to educate them, not just to go along with what they think is right, but you're you're supposed to educate what is moral and why. Why uh, lettuce is is a, a more preferable marer, uh to than uh, and not only that, but because of the security issue, that that should really take the cake for everything in in the prison before any religious, um, you know, uh, insistencies. But the, one of them actually invoked the Relupa law, the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, to say that it's well, it's up to the inmates the way that they want to express their religion. But in any event, the the connection I'm making to this, which is, I guess, it's a very far con. It's not really a connection, but is that I'm used to cha- that already. Yeah, that's me. Is that it's the chaplain's job to educate. So you're saying the chaplain? I already got it. The Lubavitcher chaplain needed to educate this Grossman fellow that the significance of eating kosher and perhaps the, his last meal, his last actions as a free-willed person, should have been to to take Devarim Ksherim into his system as opposed to Tarfus. I get it. But even if not, I, I, even if he did have a kosher meal, I would say he wasn't any tzaddik. He wasn't any, you know, he was, uh, they they made a leviah when they brought him up, stopped in Muncie, and they made a big leviah, and there was one Hasidic rabbi heard his hesped, and he didn't talk about the nifter. He talked about just Bechal, the whole Indian of Chiesamesim and Tshuva, and and it was just a service for Tshuva. It wasn't uh, any accolades on on the on the departed it was uh uh-huh. so maybe there could be some uh, value uh grossman's death might have led to some sort of zeros in people's neshamas about changing and being better people so there might have been yeah. some sort of schus in his death and how they could turn it into this event yeah. and then he eventually was taken from florida i guess tallahassee i don't know where where he was but up to liberty and um yeah. They stopped in Muncie on the way, but they buried him in Liberty. Yeah, they buried him in Liberty. Um, and 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 the is written there in Lush, and, and and I think you say the the Matseva is is in Hebrew, right? Right. So I, you know, I was there. I remember every year Tishabov they they make the Matseva Stellen there in in the Ches Shalemis for all the Matsevas that they put there. So all the other Matsevas have English and Hebrew. And I think they made a point of not putting anything in English there. This way, a goy shouldn't pass by and see and recognize the name. Oh, this is, you know, and I even I know 
um, some of the machers there in the Liberty Shul, even though it wasn't the Chelka that belonged to the Liberty Shul, but it was still adjacent. It's still, there's no fence between Chesed Shalemus and the Liberty Shul. They were, one of them was pretty upset. He said, that, how could they put the, uh, a Rotseach there in, in our in our base of Chaim? And it, it's funny because that reminds me of in Virginia, around the time there was, uh, when I was the Rav in, in Richmond, it was that time. So there was the uh, Boston Marathon bombing. And the, one of the bombers was killed in the himself in the bombing, or he was shot. He was he shot. Was, Actually, he was running away. The police. Oh yeah, he was shot. He was shot. There was a whole. I remember now. It was a shootout. There were two brothers. Yeah. So the one who was shot, they buried him in a Muslim cemetery in Virginia, I believe, in Richmond, and they didn't even ask them. They just so the imam there, who I knew, because you know we would be involved in a lot of interfaith events and we were friendly one with the other. He was very, he was quoted in the newspaper. He was very angry. Why are they putting a terrorist in our cemetery? They, at first they didn't even ask us and they do this. And he was very offended. And he said the people in his, in his, uh, in his uh, community were very offended that a, a, a terrorist was buried. Yeah, among I, I think the Rabbonim, the, the, the Gaboyim Rabbonim and the Hebrew Kedisha, there's very strict halachas about the minogim of who you bury where. And if there is this idea that you only have Shem Das, then perhaps that was a kapeda. I have to say that based on the Chuvas Maramshik, uh, he got the best Matseva possible. The Maramshik, of course, wrote his Chuva uh, saying how upset he was with this Taifa of putting uh, the secular dates, the Christian dates, onto the Matseva. So, and putting in things that it, uh, and Al-Pihalocha, that would be the wrong thing to do. So he, he has a matzeva that uh, even, that is a kosher uh, le But should he be there in the first place? I think there... Kind of, they, they, he's kind of on the edge. So I think he, he, there might be some separation between him and maybe some of the other people there. But, uh, uh, so again, there you do have another, you have a lot of responsive material about uh, bearing now in Eretz Yisrael, when they talk about bearing Druze, and others burying them in the cemeteries where where the the Jewish soldiers who die on uh, the defending Eretz Yisrael, if you want to call that Kiddush Hashem, I, I'll agree to say that. There's a question about where those soldiers get buried, ones that weren't even Jewish who were fighting the army. If there's some sort of separation, so there's some sort of sort of separation. I could see it. Um, and let, before before we get before we get to uh, the cinema part of our our, our program. What's your feeling about uh, capital punishment for prisoners? I told you about Rev, what Rev, uh, Mayor uh, Shapiro said. What do you think? Well, uh, again, it's uh, I, I think it's it it at least should be on the on the books. Uh, does it actually serve as a deterrent? Yes or no? I think for some people it might, and maybe for other people they might. Uh, there there is an idea of suicide by cop. There might be suicide by uh by by homicide as well it's also a possibility but i think self called self like the mishnah says there is an idea like that and also the even though there's a machlek is by the restraint of, of uh excuse me when it comes to Sheva Mitzvah, it's like one second it's like one second yeah doesn't mean that we're trying to be the psukim there's skilas right for Eric and Chenek. 
Right. The chiyuvim are there again. You're, you're mamish. Again, I, I can't. You're taking you're taking a statement which shows a certain humanitarian aspect of, of significance of human life. Yeah. But the Torah state, someone who does it, it's all, it takes. It's a difficult bar to reach. But at the end of the day, we believe in capital punishment. You know what? You know. You know. So I, I really think this is this is stonewalling. I, I, you know, yeah. you can't you, you you can't put up that shield and say, okay, yeah, well. <laughs> Right, it's there, but it's only it's on the books. Really, we we, we keep people alive. La Maisa, well, the well, Torah says you lose your life. You your Mais yeah. Yamus, which which the Orachim Hakadosh and others say means the person's already dead. Right, yeah, so you're actually yeah. putting the dead a dead person already. Right, so a dead man walking. Yes, exactly. So, like so a, a, you can't use. I'm asking you about the United States here, where it's not Alpi the Torah. Right, where we don't, where we don't have a Sanhedrin, we don't have a Sanhedrin of Chav Gimel. Oh, but, but under the Sheva Mitzvah Bnei Noach, a guy is chayev misa for a number of things. But the 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 Rishonim argue whether or not it's it's a chiv. But when it comes to Ritzicha, when it comes to Shvichas Domim, it seems appropriate. And you know, there are times. I mean, I certainly, you know, I I I I I, I, I do support. The death penalty, and I—it's interesting. I understand Dennis Prager. He visited some death rows a few times, and he always asked the people, "What is their feeling about the death penalty?" And he said, "A lot of people on death row support the death penalty." Yeah, which is well, a pretty fascinating thing. What everyone feels about Dennis Prager—that that. that uh, yeah, I don't understand. Is- you know, again, Dennis Prager. When I the last when when we me and my wife would listen to him. He used yeah. to have this show on Arab Shabbos called the Feel Good Hour, right? When yeah. he would just do Dvarim Tevim. And so the, the news was always the worst things in the world. And Dennis Prager would at least try to give a little bit of light. And now Dennis Prager is considered like the ultimate evil in people's minds. Yeah. Well, um, it was the Happiness Hour. Also, you know, he's yeah, the he, Happiness he, Hour. Happiness look, is, you is got me on that. I've got you on the Psukim, but you've got me on the radio. Um, <laughs> I think he might have both. He probably has a feel-good hour and a happiness hour. <laughs> okay. Thank you for being modest to me. I'm just saying that Dennis Prager was this good guy, and now Dennis Prager can't get a, you can't get a break. He's considered like he's considered Aina from the uh, he's he's a neo-Nazi. He's a fascist, right? Yeah. In people yeah. in people's minds. Um, Again, I'm not so familiar with everything that he wrote, but again, I think that he has a schus him and Rabbi Tulushkin, who I do know. I taught yeah. his children. Um, I think the book that they wrote together is a very uh, important one. And I think that though. Oh, absolutely. And I think that Dennis Prager has a, a, is, has a schus and a lot of uh, being a very proud Jew and someone I think has done a lot of uh, a great benefit. So I, I managed to get on his show more than once. So I, I appreciate that. I hear. I hear. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'm going to hyperlink uh, your the, the recordings. I'm not even sure if you can find them anywhere. But yeah. okay. Yeah, we had Larry King, of course, uh, another uh, interviewer. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, he was Nifter, I think, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I think he was sort of a uh, a critic of. He ended up being quite a sharp critic of Yiddishkeit, I think, towards the end. But, I, uh, my uh, my understanding, though, is if anybody asked him for a favor, even there was a Misa, because, you know, again, you know, he's he was a, a a difficult character to try to pin down, but I heard stories about there was, 
uh, someone, I believe, either from or Sameach or Asha Torah, was trying to do some kind of a cure program in Russia, and they asked him to to host it, and it was only maybe a hundred people are going to hear it. And he said, "Absolutely, Rabbi. Anything you ask." He he, it was it, he could not. I know say he had no a I know he had a good connection with Reb Noach Weinberg. Well, that's the story everybody's telling now. I even told it at work today with the. Uh, I think that was how the connection came about. Was that this this rabbi who was doing who was doing the the program in Russia may you know introduced them one to another, and then so then the story was uh, Reb Noach Weinberg asked him about why why he doesn't believe in God. He said, well, something about he was praying that the that the Dodgers should win and and the Yankees always. Won. I know, and he said to him. What did he say? In other words, Larry King said, because I prayed, I prayed to God that the Dodgers should win the series. Yeah. And God didn't answer. And yeah, what did Ramnayach answered him back? Because I was I was praying for the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Kent, maybe that was and maybe that was the best thing for uh for the Dodgers to uh to to go down. Um I, you know, every everybody's talking with the uh the meme with Bernie Sanders at the at the uh, inauguration last week. So you know Bernie Sanders was an actor also. Are you familiar with this? Bernie was that he has an IMDb page. He actually yeah, has. There, there, I don't remember the name of the movie. I should have done my homework, but I wasn't planning to say this. But I saw the clip on just because we mentioned the Dodgers. I saw the clip on YouTube. He actually plays a rabbi at a wedding. And he's giving this whole speech at the wedding, and he says the worst thing that ever happened was when the Dodgers left Brooklyn. That was the, that was the one line that Bernie Sanders had in the movie where he played a rabbi. Uh-huh. I see. About well, definitely a lot of a lot of Brooklyn clever have never forgiven that move, um, and uh, it's 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 a wound that uh, seems to have really coursed very deeply. All right, now that we mentioned the great Bernie. Um, what do you got on, uh, you already mentioned last week, uh, a number of, of people have been put to death, right? We talked about, uh, the murderer and, and mad love and, um, what do you have for, for us and, 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 and the indestructible man that's last week. What do you have today? I mean, um, uh, for, uh, films or television or something that could somehow, uh, be a touchstone, uh, for some of the discussion that we had today about capital punishment. Well, uh, I guess I could I could stay with the same uh, theme of horror and science fiction movies. Boris Karloff was in a number of movies where he played men who were executed and survived. One was called The Man They Could Not Hang. I think there were a few other with the same theme, but I'd rather maybe go to a little bit uh, more classy classic films, uh, particular and two films that are really the same story and the same script written by. Great Jewish uh, playwright and and screenwriter Ben Hecht, with, together with Charles MacArthur, the front page was the play that they wrote, and it was made into a film first in 1931 with Pat O'Brien, Adolf Manju, and then um, they reversed the roles in 1940 uh, for Howard Hawks with with um, Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell and His Girl Friday, again it was the same story. It's just that the the character of Hildy Johnson was from a man who was uh, going to 
go get married and leave his job as the newspaper reporter to a woman named Hildy Johnson, who was going to leave her job as a right. Now, what does this have to? I know the answer, but what does this have to do with capital punishment? So, so when Hildy Johnson comes back to say goodbyes to to Walter, the uh, the editor, Walter is trying to get Hildy to report about a man who is about to be executed. To get an interview with this fellow on death row, so that was that was the 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 that was the way that that uh, to get to get Hildy back was not only to write the story, but that Hildy could get the interview in the way that nobody else could and save the man's life. You know that was really the whole hook was that you know he was innocent. He to you know the whole the whole catch the whole hook was to say you know all these. And somehow, if, if the story would be written properly, the governor would uh, have Rachmanus and let this uh, poor schlepper uh, live, right? Well, in, in the end, that's what happens. But the they um, I, I forgot who it was. There was someone was trying to keep that a secret um, in order to that the execution should continue, even though the governor was out hunting or fishing. I guess he was out fishing. And then, but he did send uh, someone Pincus to go bring the note that it was that it was uh, that he did receive a reprieve, and uh, there were some unscrupulous people trying to prevent that news from coming through. And and then again, Hildy Johnson saved the day and saved the man's life. But he, I I don't know, I don't, I I guess it's a pretty well-known movie, but maybe not. But it's uh, I don't want to give away the whole movie. It's it's really. Great writing, and and certainly the Cary Grant Rosalind Russell version, some of the best acting. You know, the fast talking. Uh, right, that's what Howard Hawks uh, was one of the pioneers of having movie conversations. Be we talked about Preston Sturgis. Preston Sturgis perfected that, which is the sort of like back and forth, the ratatat aspect of conversation really happening the way people, of course, in a uh, very stylized way. Yes, that was. Um, Howard Hawks's uh, uh, contribution, and of course, the film was also remade at least another time by Billy Wilder, uh, casting uh, that very great duo of Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, with Jack right. Lemmon playing the Hildy Johnson. It's an inferior film compared to the others, but definitely a story that I think a lot of people have taken a shot at. All right, there was, this... an, there was another remake, Switching Channels, oh. which is okay. Um, uh, switching channels. Yeah, I, I don't. I forgot who was in that. I do know that um, Ben Hecht deserves a whole show on his own. Not only, you know, uh, not only, of course, he was the writer of Perfidy, which of course is an ex expose of some of the dirty dealings of uh, some of the, the Israeli government um, in the very beginning of the Medina, and um, Ben Hecht, child of the century a great biography, and obviously one of the, um, I think he also was the screenwriter for Notorious, I do think so, which yeah. I think was um, uh, one of the best Hitchcock films you could see, um, and has one of your favorites, Claude Rains, and I think Ben Hecht wrote the screenplay. Again, Ben Hecht's list, Ben Hecht could crank out screenplays like, uh, you know, like some people could give a Dafyomi shear without preparation. Um uh, what else do you got? So you got the, the the front page. What else? That's what I have. That's the front page and His Girl Friday. And then I mentioned also the, the man they could not hang. If, if we're going to mention another Ben Hecht, I guess he did 
he did a sci-fi movie, nothing to do with this subject, but we'll, with the queen from outer space, the queen of outer space was Jaja Gabor. As, as I, I'm sure Ben Hecht was not too, if he if he's the screenwriter there, I'm sure he's not too happy about that. Yeah, I think that was just something he, he did just to make, make some money. Uh, the whole idea of screenwriting for him was just a way to make easy cash. I think that was his whole, um, that was basically his whole motif over there. Um, okay. Um, I guess what I would say, um, look, I've never seen Dead Man Walking, but I know a lot of people who love that film. And I know that it's a film that really is a contemplation about do people change? And, you know, what is the, there's a lot of discussion between the Sean Penn character and Susan Sarandon, who plays the, a nun who is trying to save him. So I think that's a film that your wife should let you see. I haven't seen it, but it seems like it's really up your alley or up your death uh, uh, death row. And I know that that's a film that many people believe is really sets out the arguments well. Maybe it's a little bit too talky. Uh, both of these people are obviously very accomplished actors, Sarandon and Sean Penn. Um, and people say that that is a film that really uh, uh, explores that. Um, I would say another film that I think probably tells you the reality of what it means to be on death row and to die uh, is uh, Robert Brooks's In Cold Blood, um, which I think is, uh, was, you know, just like Truman Capote's book was the first real fictional novel. Uh, this movie is sort of like a documentary um, narrative. And uh, it follows, of course, the true killing of the clutters the family in kansas and it you know it has the two the murderers uh perry smith um uh, played by robert blake who you know of course uh was one of the riddle rascals um and of course later beretta but also uh, robert blake uh, has a very small role in one of my favorite films the treasure of the sierra madre um with bogart and tim holt and uh, <laughs> he's the little child who keeps on telling um, Bogey that he's that he won, Senor, Senor. So that that was Robert Blake, the little Robert Blake, who who really did an incredible, uh, uh, I think, a real incredible piece of acting, uh, inhabiting the role of a a killer who uh, gets really thrown into a a crime that goes awry. Um, there was no money in the clutter farm, but they ended up killing all the witnesses and they end up being uh, chased. And the very last scene was one of the most brutal where you actually see, you know, Robert Brooks. Again, I know your wife says you don't watch anything past 1965. I think this was a film that was made in 68, I believe, or 67 or 68. And I think in that film, you actually see the last scene. You actually see them hanging. You see... Uh, uh, the Perry Smith character hanging by his neck. If anything is going to scare you straight about what it means to die, um, it would probably be that film. Um, well, well, you know, there's there's one you talk we talk a lot about um, about uh, the Twilight Zone. What was the one episode that was? I think it was not an original Twilight Zone. Um, it was something the Twilight Zone presented. It was a French film. You know which one I'm talking about now? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's about an incident. It was like an incident at a, um, right? It was based on, yeah. on some sort of war incident. I think it yeah. was actually when Twilight Zone was an hour. 
Uh, Twilight Zone, you know, it was an incredible program, but just like the Alfred Hitchcock presents, um, the networks got greedy. And when the programs turned into our programs, it suffered. You know, there was something about that half hour uh, that really packed a punch, just like a great O. Henry short story. Um, but I think this, I, I think I know the one you're talking about. You're um, with something hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, uh, you know, just again, you know, we didn't prepare too much here for tonight, but I would say another program that I think, um, you know, you talk about the death wish um, about, you know, going into prison and dying. Uh, a film that I went to see in Lagba Omer night, I guess it was 1972, I think it was, um, or maybe 1970. I think it was, no, it was, it was Lagba Omer night, 1969 or 1970. My mother, Allah Sholem, uh, went with me to the Park Theater in Memphis, and we saw um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid which I think was directed by George Roy Hill, I believe. And uh, uh, I remember my mother covering my eyes when um, Redford is seemingly in bed with uh, uh, his girlfriend, I think who was played by uh, Catherine, um, forgot her name, the one who was in The Graduate as well. We mentioned her a couple of weeks ago. Um, but in what I do remember was, of course, you have these bandits who are, being chased all over the United States, uh, the Hole in the Wall gang, uh, Butch and Sundance, and they end up uh, going down to Brazil. Um, and uh, it turns out that the uh, the whole Brazilian army uh, and maybe some of these, uh, what, are, what is it called, these uh, uh, bounty hunters have all come to find them. And of course, the movie is really about the end of the West, sort of similar to the great uh, John Ford picture the man who shot liberty balance um this is a film that really is about how the west really you know and and and, and the criminals of the west was really it was the, the 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 end of their days but anyway butch and sundance um are chased to the very end and they are they don't they realize that they probably aren't going to live um and instead what they do is they um the very last scene of course is that they actually um they, they run out into the open guns ablazing knowing that of course they are going to be shot and going to be killed because you don't a prisoner would rather be taken dead than being brought into um into chains and being executed, which of course probably would have happened to them for the people that they had killed or people that had died and all their bank robbers. So I think that that film in a way indicates to me that when, once a person is a criminal, you know, there is this idea of, 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 of even though he's going to die, he would rather die than being taken into uh, custody and be executed. And I think that, that we saw that by this other Jewish Russia, who is a shame or Yerkov, uh, Epstein, right? Yeah. Who who uh, killed himself in prison um, in, in order not to suffer the humiliation, etc. But there is that idea that um, you know that uh, uh, of dying, but dying on their own terms. And I think that's really part of what the Einish is. We all have to die, but 
even when, when you're on death row for years and years and you're put to death in that way, when you're put to death, uh, even though it's 20 years later and you're put to death with the relatives of the of the person you've killed uh, seeing you there the whole experience i think is really part of what's meant to create that deterrent it's not just the loss of life it's the way it's done and the way it occurs and um and and hopefully it does somehow bring i don't know if it really does but in somehow it it perhaps does stave off um some of the pain. I think just to end tonight, I think the people who have argued against the death penalty have talked about countries where the death penalty is illegal, and they speak about the much lower rate of homicides there. And people have used that argument for years to indicate that the death penalty doesn't work. Um, I don't know, someone who, it seems like that's something that should, that, that should strike a chord with you. Um, do you have, uh, I don't know if you want to respond to that or not. Oh, no, because still, because I'll say that it, that it, that it does work. So I, I whatever, I, you know, I guess, I guess I just, I accept what, what Chazal say as opposed to, you know. So I'll tell you what I would say is that those countries also <clears throat> where there is no death penalty, um, you know, I, I think also those countries are places where, um, you know, gun control is much stronger there, and there's a lot of other government um, oversight that I think can somehow monitor uh, that type of situation. I, th- I think that, um, you know, we live in a country that has, uh, gives a lot of freedom, at least up until now. And I think that's part of what, um, you know, has, has allowed our country to, you know, to have these type of murders to occur. Uh, the way you know the, the the way people can get a hold of these killing machines, and that could be maybe gun control is something that maybe we could talk about the next time. I think it's probably the, the next logical thing. So that's about it, my friends. I found the name of the Twilight Zone episode. It it, it was a, a half hour episode, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Okay, so I was wrong about my hour stuff but it was it was you're right it was it was some film that they that they adapted from france right yeah even though it was about the american civil war and a a, a southern soldier being executed um but it's a uh it is a it is a french movie i remember we watched it at monster bash uh i don't know if it was the last monster bash or before out in pittsburgh where we go to the film festival we go to every year and we're very disappointed that it was canceled in 2020 <laughs> we're looking forward to 2020 all right well again you know my bikinis is clearly uh, missing a lot but the the sentiment i think is there um and and even though in the details we don't neither of us come out a hundred percent clean on this take hey, care Yitzchok. we'll see you Hashem, next week perhaps with more tales from prison on to stir with love. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.